All right, let's jump into our passage this morning. We are so excited. I love God's Word. I just love when we open the Word and God speaks to us. How many of you want the Lord to speak to you today? How many of you, I know you came partly because Miss Angela makes such good snacks and treats out in the foyer. I understand that. Yeah, can we encourage Miss Angela? I know that that's a little bit of why you came, but I know you also came because you love God's Word and you want to hear from the Lord. So I'm, I'm really excited about the message this morning. I'm going to try to bring extra energy and extra excitement because this is a difficult passage. Uh, we're going to continue last week. If you are not here, please jump online, get our podcast. Uh, we want to catch you up to date because we're traveling down some, some pretty challenging passages. And I would bet there are not a lot of pastors this morning preaching on what I'm going to be preaching on because this is not the easy Christianity message. If you came looking for the, the easy gospel message, you know, bless me and walk out the door and don't have to think about God until next Sunday. If you came for that kind of message, you're in the wrong place. But I think this will help you and this will encourage you. And so I'm going to try to bring all the joy and wonder and enthusiasm that I can bring to this message because it is a challenging uh, message. But I believe with all my heart, God wants to speak to us today. Close your eyes with me if you can and say this with me. Say, today, the Lord wants to speak to me. So I open my heart. I yield to you, Lord. Speak whatever you would. I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. All right, we're going to review very quickly because today is, is basically part two of last week, and we began to read from Mark chapter 8. And we won't read a lot of those passages, but the title of last week's message was Staying Focused on the Lord. Staying Focused on the Lord. How easy it is to become distracted. How easy it is to let things get in the way. And again this morning, through the songs, through the exhortation, through everything that's already happened, the Lord is confirming again His message to us. How many know we live in a day when it's very easy to be, be become distracted. I mean, you know, even when you're driving down the road, it's very easy to become distracted. I was driving down the road the other day, and something caught my attention over here, and I just looked for just a minute. And when I looked up, I was like, oop, better get back on my side of the road. <laughs> I wasn't doing anything shouldn't have been doing. I just happened to notice something. And so it's so easy in this life to become busy, to become distracted. So we want to talk about staying focused on the Lord. We're in Mark chapter 8, and I think we started in verse 22. We won't read that today. But what happened is Jesus went to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him. Who did they bring to Jesus? Thank you for listening. I just want to make sure you're awake and not on Twitter right now. Praise God. So they brought a blind man to Jesus, and Jesus touched him, and he was, he was partially healed. And the Bible says, Jesus said, can you see anything now? Now, in our day, we say, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I was up in Kentucky uh, yesterday for a family reunion and realized I needed to make a phone call at a certain time, and I realized the place that I was, that I was visiting didn't have any, not only cell phone signal, not only internet, but no cell phone signal. Can you believe there's still places in America that don't actually have any bars at all? And I told my wife, I said, I'm so sorry, I've got to leave your lo lovely family reunion, but I've got to drive down the road. And I'm driving, I'm trying to ring, and it's like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? And, I, and he's like, yes. And I'd stop, put it in reverse. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? I was literally doing that. And so in Jesus' day, it wasn't, can you hear me now? Jesus would ask the blind man, can you see me now? And the man said, I see people as trees. Basically, they're blurry. I see men walking around, but they're trees. And the Bible says Jesus laid his hands on the man, and he was completely healed. So that man had physical blindness. What kind of blindness did this brother have that we just read about? Physical blindness. And then we go on down and, and Jesus asked his disciples, they, he says, who do men say that I am? Who do people say I am? And they begin to report. Some say this, some say that. 
And then we, we, add, we see where Jesus quizzes him. He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, son of the living God. And then Jesus says, that's good, Peter. Flesh and blood didn't tell you that. But the Father in heaven has given you that revelation. Good boy, you're starting to get this. Then the same breath, the same passage, maybe even the same day, Jesus begins to tell his disciples that he's going to die. We're in Mark chapter 8. We're in the halfway point of the gospel in the book. But Jesus only has six more months to live. There's 16 chapters in Mark. And the last eight deal with the last six months of the life of Christ. And Jesus is preparing his disciples. I'm about to be crucified. I'm going to suffer a brutal death. And Peter grabs him and says, no, Lord, never. Don't let it be. And remember, Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. Satan, get away from me. And what he was saying is he wasn't saying, Peter, you're Mr. Bad Man. He was saying, Peter, you're not focusing on the things of God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 8 and let's look at verse 33. We have a couple of different versions here that I want you to see. The first one you'll see in Matthew 8 and verse 33 is in the Amplified. It says, turning around, Jesus turned his back to Peter, seeing his disciples. He rebuked Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan, for you do not have a mind intent on promoting what God wills, but what pleases men. You are not on God's side right now. You are not focusing on the things of God. Look at this in the New Living Translation, if it's loaded this morning. The Bible says this in the New Living Translation in verse 33. Jesus turned around, looked at his disciples. Peter had just said, Lord, you'll never die. I'll not let them kill you. You're going to be our ruler. You're going to be our chief. You're going to be our commander. You're our political leader. You're going to take over this city. You're going to rule and reign in Jerusalem. I'll I'll never let them kill you. And look what Jesus said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Can we read that last line together, starting with you? Ready? Read. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God. So our entire message last week was to change our focus. We were not just looking at life. We're not just looking at our marriage. We're not just looking at our relationships. We're not just looking at our employment. We're not just looking at our children. We're not just looking at our church. We're looking at these things through the eyes of what God's calling would be. We're looking at these through the, through the focus and attention of heaven. What is the attention of heaven? It is people. Look at your neighbor and say, you are the focus of heaven. So when we talk about keeping our mind on heaven and keeping our mind set on the things above, Colossians chapter 3, we saw this, but it's appropriate to read it again. It says, therefore, since you have been raised with Christ, chapter 3 and verse 1 in Colossians, keep seeking the things that are above. Aim at, seek at the rich, eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated in the right hand of God. Oh, how easy it is to become so focused on the here and now. But God says, I want you to stay focused on heaven. I want you to stay so focused on the things of God because it is so easy to become distracted. Now, what I love about your church, I love this about your church, your church doesn't just say you need to do this and you need to do that. Your church tells you how to do it. And I began to talk last week about seven secrets to staying focused on God. Seven 
secrets to staying focused on God. Number one, we'll review very briefly. Number one is give God's word absolute authority in your wor- in your life. Say that with me. Ready? Give God's word absolute authority in your life. When it comes to the word of God, I'm building my life on that. When it comes to my family, we're going to operate according to God's word. I'm not taking advice from psychiatrists. Thank God for them. I'm not taking advice for culture. They have their place. Thank God for culture. I'm taking my advice and I'm getting my marching orders from the book. From God's word. I, I, me and George were, uh, George and I were t- one of those. Susan can tell you which one it is later on. Me and George, or which one is it? Help me here. I'm sinking fast. Thank you, George and I. Thank you. George and I were talking the other day, and, and, uh, and uh, we, we made a comment, and I made a comment, and, and uh, I said, well, at least that's, that's what I'm sinking my ship to, you know, and it, it was about the things of the Lord and, and heaven. And, and I said, well, that's the way I'm going. And he said, yep, I'm gonna, that's what we're going to do. You know what? I'm going to take my chances on the book being right. I'm not going to take my chances on the book being wrong. And so we've got to sink our teeth into God's word. We, when is the last time? Oh, it's about to get heavy in this place. You ready? When is the last time as a family you opened the scripture, just maybe one scripture, and read it together as a family? Oh, conviction is heavy in this house. When is the last time you opened the Bible, you husband and wife, or wife and family, or, or wife and kids, or family and kids, and just took one scripture and said, kids, let's go around and let's talk about what this means. You want to hear some fun stuff, ask your kids what some of these scriptures mean. <laughs> they will tell you some really funny things. We do that as a family. Every Monday, we do our best when, when we, it's a priority, and as long as we're home and and we're, you know, there, there's not something else going on that takes us away from that. Every Monday we have what's called a, it's a Monday motivating devotional. How I many know you don't want a depressing devotional, right? Come on. It's Monday motivating devotional. But I, I kept, I got tired of saying it's time for our family Monday motivating devotional. So we changed it to motivational. That's my phrase. I made it up, coined it, motivational. So every Monday, we can, as a priority, our family has a motivational. And we will go around, and the kids sometimes have to pick a scripture. Miss Tara uh, gets a scripture. Sometimes I'll get a scripture if they forgot and didn't do their job. And, and I'll tell them, what if I showed up on Sunday and forgot I was supposed to preach? You know? <laughs> Noah, he'll supposed to be planning, and he'll be like, Dad, I forgot this week. And I'll tell him, son, what would happen to me if I showed up on Sunday and forgot that I was going to preach? How I many know he gets the point very quickly that this is important? But we'll take a scripture, and we'll read it together. We'll pray about it. We'll go around, okay, what does that scripture mean to you? What does that scripture mean to you? Because we are committed to living by the book. We've got to make God's word the absolute authority in our life if we're going to, uh, if it's, if we're going to stay focused on God. Number two, we've got to identify and overcome distractions. And we won't read the text, but we talked about Mary and Martha. And Mary was just sitting at the feet of the Lord, but Martha was serving, 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 and she missed a moment with Jesus because of all these distractions. And we talked about how to identify and overcome and push those distractions down if we're going to stay focused on the things of the Lord. All right, now let's jump into number three. This kind of dovetails in, but this is going to really bless you. Number three, this is new territory, new ground. Hope you're taking notes. Make a family commitment and stick to it. And we do this. This is what we've determined as a family. Make a family commitment. And then I put this in my notes. Write it down and stick to it. Do you have a set of family values? 
Do you have a set of core values that guide your family? If you ask your family, what are you guys all about? Now, don't test me on this and go ask my kids because who knows what kind of answer we'll get. But, you know, I would encourage you to, to have a set of family values, uh, you know, joy and integrity and peace. How many know if you got kids, you need peace as a family value? And then if your kids are acting crazy and fighting, you can remind them, hey, remember, our family value is peace. We want to be a home of peace. So stop fighting right now. Hush up your lip up, amen? Anybody like that term? That's my favorite thing I love to tell my kids. So we want to make a family commitment. Look at Habakkuk chapter 2. Now, not only do we want to make a family commitment to stay focused on the things of the Lord, but we want to make a church family commitment. You see, the reason we vision cast to you and share with you our vision is because we want to stay on track. If I'm telling the vision every week to 50 to 60 people, and then you guys are going to be real clear and real good to not let us get off track. See, if we're always casting the vision God has given us, then we've made a family commitment and we can stay on track. How many of you know churches can get off track? Churches can get out of a line fast. And so we want to write it down. Look at Habakkuk 2. Then the Lord said, write my answer plainly on tablets. Did you know they had iPads and Androids back in the Bible? Isn't that amazing? Oh, goodness. That was a good joke. Come on. You'll get that driving home. Write it on tablets so that a runner, somebody say a runner, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So when it comes to our family staying focused on the things of God, if we write it down as a family, we make a family plan, we make family core values, sit down and ask your wife and, and your husband, or if, if you live by yourself, make your own set. Or if you're watching other children right now, sit down together and say, what are our core values? And ask those, and because you get involvement, and if your kids are giving you things, like when we did our family values, my kids said generosity. They said, we want to be a family known of, of generosity. So now, if something comes up and we need to sacrifice as a family, I can remind them our core value as a family is generosity. When they're fussing and fighting like kids do, I can remind them one of our core values is peace. And we said joy. We want to be a joyful family. We want to be a happy family. Remember that song, if you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it? How many of you have the love of Jesus in your heart? How many of you have the love of Jesus in your heart? Dear heaven, please notify your face, okay? Please tell your face that you have the joy of the Lord in your heart. We want to be known as a joyful family. And so when, when there's bickering and fighting and when there's complaining, we can say our core values of families, we're going to be a joyful family. And complaining is the opposite of joy. Can I have an amen? Now, sometimes Miss Tara accuses me of complaining. I'll say, honey, you burnt the bread. She'll say, we're a family of joy. Don't complain. I'll say, I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. You burnt the bread. <laughs> I'm happy about it. I'm joyful about it. But you burnt the bread. It's the other way around. I'm the one that actually burns the bread. So you guys, you husbands, try that. I'm not complaining. I'm just stating a fact. It may work out better for you. We'll see how it works out for you. But we want to write it down. Now, look with me at Deuteronomy 29. Now, also as a church family, I need Joseph to help keep me. Now, I'll say this with balance because some people come to a church and they feel like their whole job is to kind of steer and direct the pastor. And I'm accountable to Jesus first, all right? But, but I do, there is an element in our congregation where even as a leader, I, I need Joseph to help make sure, hey, we're staying on track. We're staying focused on the things of heaven. We're not getting out here on things that are superficial and that don't matter. Some things just don't matter, and they can pull churches away. And so we write this down. We write the vision down. We have core values here in a few weeks. We're going to be releasing to you some updated core values that we've been tweaking and massaging and, and working on so they can be really 
really easy to remember and really easy to, to print because we want to give the runner the correct message so you can run with it. Look here at Deuteronomy 29. It says, all of you tribal leaders, this is all the elders and officials and men of Israel, standing today in the presence of the Lord your God. Notice this now in verse 11. Your little ones and your wives are with you, as well as the foreigners living among you who chop your wood and carry your water. Now look at verse 12. It says, you are standing here today to enter into the covenant of the Lord. He's saying this is everybody. This is the leaders. This is the mom and dads. This is the children. This is even the workers. This is everybody. You are standing here today to enter a covenant of the Lord. Somebody say covenant. So you're standing here to enter a covenant, including uh, the curses, meaning you're identifying here. I'm going to walk in God's way, and if I do, I'll be blessed. And if I get outside of the blessing, there are consequences. There are curses. Now, check this out in verse 13. By entering into this covenant today, he will establish you. This was a written covenant. They were making a commitment, saying as a nation, as a people, we're going to stay focused on the things of God. Notice this here, as entering into this covenant, he will establish you as his people and he will confirm that he is your God just as he promised and he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So as a family, when we say we're going to stay focused on the things of God, we're going to stay focused on the word of God, we're going to stay focused on people. What is the treasure of heaven? People. Why did Jesus come to the earth to seek and to save that which was lost? Why did Jesus even have to come and be born? Genesis all the way back in chapter 1 says that God would send his seed to redeem and deliver mankind. There, there's a holy, righteous God. And mankind is sinful and separated from God. And the bridge is the gospel. The bridge is Jesus. So we've got to make a family commitment. We've got to make a church commitment that we're going to stay focused on what God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. Remember Joshua 24, 15, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, somebody say me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Now I know, I know what I'm going to get into here and I understand it. And I've had people tell me, will you just wait till they're this age and that age? And I love all my teenagers in the house. I will have four in my home at one day because I have four beautiful children. But as long as they live with mom and dad, they're under the family covenant. They're under the family commitment. My kids already say things right now they want to do. Just yesterday, Ava's like, we want a dog. We're not dog people. We're just too busy, honestly. If dogs are your thing, can Ava come and visit you and your dog, please? <laughs> Ava's like, Dad, we want a dog. I say, Ava, when you get married and get grown up, you have 1,700 dogs. Call Carol. She breeds them. She'll give them all, all day long, 17 all day long. But as long as you live with mom and dad, we're just, it's not in the deal right now. We just don't have time and on and on. And, and so as long as the kids live with mom and dad, they're under the family covenant. Now, I'm not telling you to kick out your 14-year-old teenager. That's not what I'm telling you. But they got to know. I'm telling my kids this now at 8 and 10 because at 16 is not the time to start having this discussion. You're part of this family. You're part of this covenant. So we're talking about those things now because we have made a family commitment to serve the Lord. And mom and dad, let me just let me just empower you, okay? I'm going to empower you here just a little bit. Everything in that house belongs to you. Everything in that house belongs to God ultimately, but you're the manager of it. Let me say that again. Mom and dad, you are the manager of everything in that house. My children have things, but they don't understand. It's really mom and dad's. 
Well, that's easy. There are eight. Well, we're starting that now. We're going to keep that. Everything in the house belongs to mom and dad. And everything in the house, mom and dad are accountable to God because we serve the Lord. Everything in the house belongs to God. Last time I checked, God made me your parent. I'm the manager. I'm the steward. So we're going to honor God with our stuff. Laptops and tablets for 16-year-olds don't need passwords. Come on, can I have an amen? Laptops and passwords. Laptops and tablets and phones need accountability software on those laptops and phones and tablets. I'm a grown man, and I have it on my stuff. We need to protect our kids, and they may fuss and they may fight, but when they're older, they will thank you for standing tough. They will thank you for not bending over and, and being a little weenie and a wimp, and they will, they will thank you for standing tough to help them serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. That wasn't in the notes, so that's free, okay? You didn't pay for that in the offering. That one was free. But I mean that. Listen, I don't, now, now, don't go home and just don't make me the enemy and say, Pastor James said, I've got a control of all this. Well, they're going to hate me and the church. Now, thank you for doing that. No, get into the Bible together. Next time you all do a motivational, let's do a, a motivational on the scriptures that everything in the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and say, wow, God owns everything and, and, and God has made me the parent, the manager. You know, I'm, I'm really responsible to God for everything in our house. And, you know, you can work your way into this. You don't have to just go in tomorrow and just make everybody mad at me, your sweet little pastor, okay? But you can seek the Lord and have wisdom, and God will help you in that. All right, say, say I'm going to commit my family, and we're going to stick to it. Ooh, that was not as good. We're going to stick to it. All right, number four. This is good. Number four. This is a secret to staying focused on God. How many of you know someone who had broken focus and it wrecked their life? They had a moment of weakness, and they got around the wrong crowd. They had a moment of weakness, and it, they threw their whole marriage down the toilet because of an affair. I heard a story the other day from a preacher. It was a really unique story. He said it was true. I didn't research it, so this minister that I heard said it was true, and I believe that he would have done the research. But he said there was this family that was at odds, kind of fighting, kind of fussing, and, and they secretly decided they were going to have an affair and uh, so one of them went to this online dating website, and this other went to this online dating website. Now, they're married now, okay? And so this is just such a unique story. And so they began to, to really develop a relationship, an emotional connection with this other person on the other end of the screen on this dating website. And after a couple of months, things were going well, and the emails were good, and you know, so they decided, we want to meet. We want to meet up. Now, both of these are married, and they met up, and they had been flirting with each other. They had been coming together and, and connecting with one another, and they got so mad that each of them were having an affair on the other one that they ended up getting a divorce. How many know that we need to be, we need to be aware, and we need to be cautious of that? Now, look here at number four. Charge your spiritual battery every day. We want to stay focused that marriage collapsed because they lost focus. Now, we got to charge our spiritual battery every day. How many of you have a cell phone? How many of you know what a cell phone is? Okay. How many of you have had to charge that battery? How many of you feel like your world is ending if you don't have a charger that you can get to? 
Yeah, Mary's like, yes. I was at the hospital the other day, so thankful. BJ came by, spent some time there with Meshach and Bethany. Pastor Michael stopped by, and, and I had to do a few work things in between. Uh, I had an appointment that night, and my phone died. I did not have a charger, so yours truly, I had to go to Walmart, and I bought one of those chargers that go in the car, and then I bought one of the power banks. So I was like, that way I can charge it while I'm driving to do my deal, talk, and then I can, where I get where I'm going, I can plug in my power bank. Have you know, I did not do a very good job at charging my battery. How many of you know our spiritual battery is the same thing? This little power bank that I bought is the coolest thing. You push a button and it has a little LEDs and it tells you how full it is or how empty it is. It tells you where, you know, how much juice is left in it and then you can gauge if you need to charge it, so forth and so on. Wouldn't it be nice if we had that across our forehead? When Gail walks in, oh, she's full today. And then we look at Joseph, ah, he needs a little charge. He needs to sit up front today. He needs a little charge. But we don't. And so what we do is we get used to, we get used to acting like we're full, but really we're empty. But we know what it feels like to be full. And we don't want anybody in the room to know we're not very full. We don't want anybody to know that we're really empty. And so we've learned if I come in late, no offense if you came in late. I don't have anybody in mind. If we come in late and then, oh, I got to sneak out and leave early, I won't have to talk to anybody. I won't have to look at anybody's eyeballs. And I can just smile and worship, raise my hands like I do every Sunday. But on the inside, we're really empty. No condemnation about being empty. Your pastor has been empty. There are certain times when I'll just call one of our staff and I'll be like, hey, I need you guys to preach because I need to recharge my battery. Because I'm not going to come up here and give from you on empty. You can't give what you don't have. And if it's just been one of those weeks, and if it's just been one of those deals, uh, I will I will have somebody else preach. I will not get up here and preach to you on empty because it's just not going to be good for me or you. And so let me just encourage you. I'm not condemning you for being empty. What I'm telling you is every one of your batteries should be being exhausted. What drains your cell phone battery? What drains your spiritual battery? Using it. I'm not condemning you saying you are a low spiritual battery. Well, use it. Now, what else? What else drains your battery? Not using it. I fly RC airplanes. So glad my friend Josh does as well. And I'll charge a battery and then I'll get busy and go a week or two and not be able to go get it and use it. When I go to get it, that battery is, is not where I topped it off at. It's not where I left it because of inactivity. So your battery will be drained, number one, by using it. So when you come in here on Sundays, man, we want to help you. We want to give you the power boost. And then what you do through the week is, is you're continuing what God has done here on the weekends. We want to charge you up and, and send you out into the world. But every single day, you should be using your spiritual battery. You should be loving every day. You should have joy every day especially on Sundays. Can I have an amen? You should have peace every day. You should be ministering to people every day. You should be using your spiritual battery. However, make sure that you charge your battery every single day or you will lose focus on the things of the Lord. Check this out in Jude chapter 1 and verse 20. It says, you dear friends must, somebody say must, Build each other up in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. Somebody say power. Say it like a good old-fashioned church preacher. Say power. You must build yourself up. You must help build one another up because our spiritual battery is draining and we must pray in the power of the Holy Spirit to charge our battery. 
Look at Acts chapter 3 and verse 19. The reason we lose focus is because our batteries become drained. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins are be wiped away in order that times of refreshing, times of recharging may come from the presence of the Lord. You can recharge your battery. Now, my cell phone battery, something's wrong with one of my plugs. It takes like nine hours for one of my little plugs to to do that. And my children have figured out which plugs are the fastest, and they sneak in and get the fast plugs, and I have to go chase them down. I went into Noah's room the other day, and the little kid had three chargers. We, Tara and I are like sharing like half a charger, and he has three in his room. And I'm like, what is this? And I said, I said, this is your charger. This one doesn't leave your room. None of the other ones make it into your room. <laughs> These are our chargers. And so some of my chargers are slow, and some of them are fast. Let me tell you this. Let me help you out here. God is not asking for you to spend 12 hours a day in prayer to charge your battery. You know, sometimes you put the phone on, takes four or five hours, so forth, so on. God, the way God works in his, his presence is if you give him five minutes of focused time where the phone is off unless you're reading the Bible. I've got now where I, I've begun to now where I don't even read the Bible on my phone because it's always dinging and telling me stuff, and I'm trying to read, and all this stuff's trying to happen on my phone. So I'm, I'm actually back to the Bible. Did you know there's still a book with pages out there? And so I'm back to reading the Bible. It has never dinged at me once. <laughs> it has never said, you've got mail. <laughs> Not one time. And so five minutes in the presence of God, dedicated. Is it okay to pray on your way to work? Yes. Is it okay? To, that's great. Five minutes of dedicated time in the presence of God will charge your battery in a way that you will tell all day. I can tell you my days are better and brighter when I started out with the Lord. So we have to charge our spiritual battery every day. Look at Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Is this good? Is this helping anybody? Or are you feeling a little drained this morning? Why did the bathtub need a vacation? It was feeling a little drained. Hallelujah. Much like many of you today. Hallelujah. You think that's bad, you should hear some of George's jokes. Okay, all right, here we go. Next passage. Mark chapter 3 and verse 14. Notice this. Jesus appointed 12. Say this with me. Say, I am appointed. Jesus appointed 12. And notice this. And he called them his apostles. They were to accompany him that he would send them out to preach. They were to be with him. They were come to come into relationship him. They were to accompany and be with him. And then he might send them out to preach. Your number one calling is to be a child of God and to stay full and connected of the presence of the Lord. That's your number one calling. Now, number five, the fifth secret to staying focused on the Lord is to be accountable to someone. Everyone needs to be accountable to someone. Hey, how are you doing? How's your, how's your prayer time? I remember back way back when when I was in Bible school, they would each week make us fill out a prayer and word time assessment. We would have to write it down on paper, and then the instructors would read it. And boy, you're talking about now. Now, you can get in a ditch and do it because you feel like you have to, and you can get in a ditch, and you can get in legalism that, oh, God's not going to love me today if I don't have my two-and-a-half-hour prayer time. But there's something about being accountable. It's okay to ask your spouse if they are praying. Can I have an Amen. Anybody can have an amen? Can you help me, Gail? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Say it louder. Amen. Okay, that's how it's done right there. Mom and Dad, it's okay to ask your children if they're praying. I mean, that's a new revelation right there. Now, if they're not, 
you don't have to jump into condemnation mode. Let's find out why. And let's make prayer exciting. If you pray right, it's not boring. I'm just telling you. If you pray right and are fellowship with the Lord, it is far, 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 far from boring. So we want to be accountable to someone. We'll look at Proverbs 27. And verse 17 tells us this. It's a very familiar scripture. It says, iron sharpens iron. Say that with me. Ready? Iron sharpens iron. So a friend sharpens a friend. It can be your spouse. It can be someone that you trust. It can be someone maybe in the ministry with you. But you need to be accountable to someone about your walk with God. And husbands and wives, this is great for you to do. And if you're not married, find someone in the church and just say, Hey, you know what? I want us to talk together and I want you to help me make sure I'm staying on track with the Lord and staying on focus. Because what's the goal? Staying focused. Look at James 5.16. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Notice community. Notice church many times. You can't see this unless you study the original language. But many times in the New Testament, when it talks, when it says you, if I look at Susan and I say you, she thinks I'm just specifically saying just Susan, singular. But many, many, many times in the New Testament, when you see the word you, it's in the plural form. And here in East Tennessee, be y'all. <laughs> y'all. Somebody say y'all. What is uh, somebody said one time in the South? Y'all is yuns plus three. <laughs> y'all is yuns plus three. But but it's really it's y'all. It's not just you. It's not you, Joseph, have a walk with God. It's not just you, Candy, be on fire for the Lord. It's all of us collectively, plural. We should all be together working and praying and seeking God. Then it says the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great and powerful and wonderful results. Why should we stay focused? It's hard. It's dedicated. Why should we stay focused and be accountable? Because it yields tremendous fruit. It makes much, much power available. It produces wonderful results. Isn't that what we want to see? We want to see power and wonderful results. Now, number six, as we travel down this road, because I do have another passage I want us to look at before we move on to the next part of our service. Notice this here. Somebody say, I'm staying focused. You're not distracted, are you? Pursue your gifting and passion. Let me help you here. Pursue your gifting and passion. This is a nugget I felt like the Lord gave me. You're going to like this. You are at your best when you're doing what you're best at. You are at your best when you're doing what you're best at. Now, I'm going to tell you something here, and this is not a technique. This is not a trick. It's just a fact. When you have church people plugged into their gifting and serving and committed, do you know why we push you so much to serve and get involved in a ministry? Not for what it does so much for us, but what it does for you. I can promise you, Kaylee Jackson has a great gift and a marvelous, marvelous, marvel. what am I trying to say? Marvelous, thank you. Marvelous. Y'all should try this sometime. It's not as easy as it looks. <laughs> Kaylee Jackson has a marvelous, I started to say marvel, marvelful. I was going to say wonderful and marvelous. I was going to marry those together. She has a marvelous gift to sing. But I can promise you, it helps that we're counting on her to be here every week. Does she love God? Would she get up and come to church anyway? Yes. Now there's a balance. You shouldn't just come to church because of what you get to do. But I'm telling you, it gets you out of bed. It keeps you motivated. It keeps you focused because she knows these people are counting on me to sing, and that can't be empty. She can't get up there with an empty song. 
It's got to have the heart. It's got to have the spirit. It's got to have the power of God flowing through it. I can't bring them an empty song. I've got to bring that I've been in, in contact with heaven, and when I sing, heaven's going to flow through me. And so you are at your best when you're doing what you're best at. This is the problem in so many churches. We think if we're not preaching or we're not singing, we think we're not important. I can promise you when Chad comes and helps set up, he is important. Can I have an amen? I can promise you when Angela's baking cookies in the back, she would never be seen. We're not standing up here with her picture saying, Angela's cookies today. If I didn't tell you Angela made them, you'd never know. But what Angela's doing is important. She's found her gift and she's flowing in it. Ready? Write this down. Find and flow. This is going to help you. Find and flow. Find your gifting. And here's the secret. What do you like to do? Well, I don't know how what I like to do can be used in church. Try me. We'll figure out a way to make it work in church. I've not found one yet that we couldn't make work in church as long as it's a biblical and holy desire. Can I have an amen? I like to get drunk all weekend. I don't think we can work that one in, brother. I'm sorry. <laughs> find and flow. Somebody say find and flow. I felt like the Lord really put this in my heart. Find what you're good at. Find your passion and then flow. Rick Mills has a teaching when he trains youth leaders and youth pastors and pastors, and he teaches them people feel valued when they're doing what they have a passion for. I do not have to beg the worship team to show up early. They show up early because it's their gifting, it's their passion, and it helps them stay focused on what God has called them to do. So you have something you're good. You can do something well. Say this to me. Say, I have something that I can do well. What is it? What is your heart? What? Okay, well, I don't know what I'm good at. You may be good at, you may, be, you may do well uh, serving, cleaning. How many of you love to clean? Now, there are people that love to clean. That's a gift. Find it and flow in it. How many of you love to pick up trash? You just, you, it gets your bubble going. When you see trash on the road, you're like, praise God. Hey, we could pick up, you could show up early here at the school and walk around the campus and pick up trash to bless the school and bless the community. Well, nobody ever knows. God knows, and he rewards what is done in secret. He rewards openly. Since when are we doing this for people to see anyway? So the way we stay focused is by, well, all I know how to do, all I can do is hug people. Hey, you'd be a great greeter. Amen? There's a lady at a church in Middle Tennessee. She's like 85. And this is a true story. There will be like six or eight like empty greeters, and people will be making a line to get into her door because everybody wants a June hug. Her name is June, and when she's 80-something years old, and when you come in, i got to get my June hug. I mean, no, we could use one of those here. Amen. So I'm telling you, find your gift. Carol loves to paint. Carol's an artist. She's asked me before about, you know, different things and opportunities, and I believe we're praying now that God's going to give her an opportunity to use that gifting for the kingdom of God. What if it, and I'm not saying this for you, this is just an example, but what if you were to host a, a camp or a day camp uh, during the week and, and teach little kids how to draw that wouldn't otherwise get to do that? Boom, there you are, using your gift for the Lord. Can you see how awesome that is? When you find your gift and you're flowing in it, it helps you stay focused. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 teaches us this. All of you together, say all together. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Now look at Romans 12. We're going to find our gift. We're going to flow in our gift. 
I'll tell you, at our work day we had just a few weeks ago at our Prosser campus, we had people flowing in their gifting. I'll tell you, David would not want to get up and preach a sermon, although he might, could do a good job at it, but it's just not his thing. David for sure wouldn't get up and want to lead music, and aren't you glad? Can we have an amen? But I'm telling you, David was there, and he had his equipment, and he was blowing the sidewalk off and pressure washing, and he, he was flowing in something he's good at. That's a gift, and he was flowing in it for the greater good of the body of Christ. We've got to find our gift and flow in it. Look at this in Romans 12. Just as our bodies have many parts... And each part has a special function. Say special function. So if you're part of the body of Christ, you're part of this church body, you are a part and you have a special function. Let me, I want to I hit this here. I wanna, I'm going to camp here for just a minute. I sense the Lord really stirring some folks here. If you could leave that passage up, Jared. Thank you. <clears throat> Somebody in this room, I believe maybe more than one, when I said each part has a special function, your mind went to, I don't have a special part. Nothing special about me. Yes, there is. You may not have discovered it yet or realized it. If we could see the way God sees us, if we could see, the reason, I, this is what we tell all of our guests and visitors. When you walk in the door, you're a 10. And it's not out of 100. Can I have an amen? It's 10 out of 10. You're a 10. What's the scale? Well, it starts at 100, but... You walk in the door, you're a 10. We put a 10 on your head. It's up to you to stay there. Can I have an amen? But you walk in this door, we see you as a 10. We see you as gifted by God. We, we believe every person who walks in the door has a ministry and a calling and something God wants to use them to do. And our job is not to, my job as a pastor is not to be a doer of all the ministry, is to be a discipler, is to be an equipper. And I believe it with all my heart because you have a special function. I want you to say this loud and bold and because we're going to make the devil mad. I want you to really push this out. And if it's hard for you, this is why we're doing it. Say, I am a special function. Say, I have a special function. But my pastor doesn't know English. <laughs> say, I have a special function. Oh, come on. You're not there yet. I have a special function. I have a special function. We're still not there yet. I have a special function. What's sad but true is, is I think I may believe that more than some of you do. But that's why we're doing this message today, because we want to stay focused on the Lord. You have a special function. Look at verse 5. So it is with Christ's body. Romans 12 Verse 5, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts, and we all belong to each other. There's accountability. Look at verse 6, in His grace. There it is. I know that Chad is wonderful, but I know that Chad, when he's walking in the grace of God, is so much more than just Chad. Joseph leads our setup team every morning. He can tell you there is a grace that rest upon him on Sundays to do what he does. You, many of you don't know this, but he, just like Jared, you don't know this about Jared, these brothers often leave here and have to work on the weekends, work on Sundays. But they have a grace because they're flowing in their function. Ooh, I like that. Write that down, Miss Terry. I like that. Flowing in your function. That's going to be a whole series in 2018 when we're done with Mark. Flowing in your function. Notice this here. God has given us different gifts for us to do certain things well. Rick has things he does well that I don't do. So that's why he's in this church, because we complete each other. We're not competing with one another. We complete each other. 
I love our worship team. I'm so proud of these guys because they're not competing. We complete one another. I love our team, our ushers and greeters and our kids ministry team, our kids and prequest team. They're not competing with one another. They complete one another. Our hospitality team, they just flow together in such a great way. Notice this here. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out which has, with as much faith as God has given you. Notice the next one that's going down. Is this helping anybody in the room? Notice this in verse 7. We're going to speak out. If your gift is serving, you know there's a ministry called the ministry of helps. We think of ministry as preaching. There's a ministry of helps, being an usher, being a greeter, serving in the nursery, working with the cookies and helping clean. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If your gift, somebody say, my gift. If you're a teacher, teach well. Going down to the next one in verse 8. If your gift is to encourage, be encouraging. If it's giving, well, I don't have any gifts. I don't know what I can do for the Lord. I've just got $7 million in my bank account. Hey, I think we can help you figure out what you can do for the Lord. There are people, seriously, you laugh because it's funny, but there are people that, they're not people people, and they're not really good at serving, and God knows they don't need a microphone, but they can give. They can bless. They can be generous. We do things in this church, honestly, I'm going to be just honest with you. There's three or four families in this church that have a giving anointing and a giving calling, and we can do things that we would never be able to do if those families weren't giving so generous. Uh, he's not here today, but Pastor Kevin, I can point it out because he's not here. But Pastor Burl Kevin is one of those. You guys would never know it, never tell you, but that man has a generous, generous heart. We've never had a need. We've never had a missionary. We've never, never had a special offering, to my knowledge, that he wasn't one of the persons that contributed to that. It's a gifting. He's a little bit older, so there are certain things he may not be able to serve in and like he used to, but he can give. It's still a spiritual gift, and God still honors it. Notice this here. If it's leadership, take the responsibility serious. And if you have the gift for showing kindness, so I don't have any spiritual gifts. Well, you're the dadgum nicest person I've ever met. Can you say dadgum in church? Look at your neighbor and say dadgum so I don't feel isolated up here. Dadgum. Say it with a little country twang. Dadgum. I mess my kids up, so I say, Dad Jim. There, did you say your name is Daddy Jim? Is that? No, I said, Dad Jim. It's a, it's a, Carrie likes that. Notice this here as we wrap this up. The purpose of God's gifts, as we leave that scripture on the screen, is to do things well. We are the body. It helps you stay focused on the things of God, focused on what He's called us to do. Notice this here if you have the gift of showing kindness. Kindness made the Bible in the list of spiritual gifts. So don't you leave this place thinking you don't have a gift. Don't you leave this place thinking you don't have something to offer to the Lord. You just haven't discovered it yet. If you'll give what you have to the Lord, He'll amplify that and show you that and train you and take you further than you would ever go. I want to say this prophetically uh, to you guys. I just sense now the Lord uh, speaking to us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that uh, there's what's called words of wisdom and words of knowledge. And so I just want to encourage this great couple here for just a minute. As I was talking uh, about this, you know, if you if you give God what you have, He'll begin to show you more and more and more greater things. And I sensed that when you first started this journey together as a family and you came to our church, you began to just give God what you had. And God is now revealing things to you that you didn't even know that you had. I believe there's going to be passions come up on the inside of you and, and things that used to didn't, 
you didn't care anything about, all of a sudden you're going to really begin to care about those things. And you're, even even we're seeing that now in a little bit with kids ministry. Uh, they lead our kids quest team. When you first started serving, I don't know how big that was on your radar, but it's like God's going to be blowing up the balloon and blowing up the balloon. And so because you started where you were and you gave God a little, see, God is so powerful at taking a little and making it much. I would not be surprised uh, if, if you just get blown away by what the calling of God is on your life. And it, it's because you started out small and as God can trust you in the little, he'll make you rulers over much. Come on, can we give God thanks? I just want to encourage this couple. Get that on the recording because I want you to hang on to that. So we give God the little and he breathes on it and then he, he can trust us with more and more and more. So you have a special function in the body of Christ. Now, number seven. Man, where's my time going? Number seven, we'll, we'll wrap it up with this. The seventh point to stay focused on the Lord, the seven secrets. Let me review them with you just briefly here so you know where we are. Number one, God's Word is absolute authority. Number two, we're going to identify and overcome distractions. Peter had spiritual blindness. He had a moment of weakness, and God, brought, Jesus brought him back on track. Number three, we're going to make a family commitment. We're going to write it down. We're going to have family values, and we're going to stick to it. Number four, we're going to charge our spiritual battery every single day. This helps us stay focused. We're going to pray in the Spirit. We're going to read the Word. We're going to worship. Number five, we're going to be accountable. We're going to let iron sharpen iron. Number six, we're going to find and flow in our giftings. We're going to pursue our giftings and passions. We're going to flow in our function. Number seven, last one as we close this session today. Number seven, quickly repent and get back on track quickly repent. I, want, I know we've said a lot, and I know that I've went a little long, but if you can give me, honestly, five more minutes of just undivided attention, I want to speak to your heart here. Who was rebuked as being used by Satan when Jesus said, Satan, get thee behind me? Who was that, Who was that person? It was Peter. Earlier, Peter said, you're the Messiah. Jesus said, that's been revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Notice this here. Peter has a moment where he's dropped it, he's lost his focus. But he quickly repents and gets back on track and keeps going. The thing that Satan wants you to do, come on, Jazz, and help us. The thing that Satan wants you to do is he wants you to become so distracted that you feel like you've fallen off the wagon. Let me tell you a story. It's a funny story. I was on a field trip with my kids, and my sunglasses were in my pocket and we were on a hay wagon, a covered wagon. And I went down like that just because I'm OCD and I was like, where's my glasses? I do it all the time. You know, where's my glasses? And I didn't fill them and I thought, oh no, they've fallen off on this wagon. So I jumped off the wagon <laughs> and ran down the road. The wagon's going this way and I jump off and go this way because I want to find my glasses. And when I get them, I ran back to the wagon. Hear this now. And I climbed back on the wagon. And one of the little kids said, Oh, I can't believe you came back to the wagon. Why didn't you just go turn around and walk that way and go another way? It's because I wanted to be on the wagon. I was off the wagon, picked up what I needed, and I ran back and got back on the wagon. I've got a message for some of you this morning. You can get back on the wagon. The wagon is not left to the point where you can't get back on the wagon. You may have had a moment of broken focus in your marriage. 
You may have had a moment of broken focus on the calling of God. You know what God's called you to do, but you've put it on the shelf. And you've had a moment of broken focus and a moment of weakness. And God this morning is saying, get back on the wagon. And if you turn to go back, guess what? He'll say, driver, hold up. Hold up here. Let's wait. Let's wait. Because I've got somebody coming back to focus when, when you get off the wagon and you start running back, God's not going to speed it up so you have a harder time catch it up. Truth be told, he's probably going to stop, put it in reverse, meet you in the middle because he loves you so much. He cares so much about you. Let's close our eyes this morning. Galatians 5.16 says, The Holy Spirit will guide our lives. And we will walk in the Spirit and we won't fulfill the lust of our flesh. You see, with our eyes closed, I have to read the Scripture to you because it's very poignant and appropriate for this time. Revelation chapter 3. I know the things that you do. I know that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, you're not hot or cold. God says, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich and I have everything I need. I don't need anything else. But you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. As a church, God is calling us to be hot. Scripture says, I wish you were hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, what we cannot stand anymore is lukewarmness. I cannot be lukewarm in my family. I cannot be lukewarm in my focus. I cannot be lukewarm in my passion. I cannot be lukewarm in my pursuit of what God has called me to be, and neither can you. Our church cannot be lukewarm. We've got to be hot or cold. One is better than the other. And I know that every heart in this room says, I want to be hot. I want to be hot for the Lord. I want to find my gifting. I want to flow it. I don't want to stay focused on the things of God. And that's our prayer for you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Real quickly, I want to give you a chance this morning to respond. We've been preaching about finding and flowing in your gift. And the, the best gift that you can find and flow in is the gift of Jesus Christ. You may be in this room and you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never said yes to the Lord of Lords. You, we've got to make Jesus the Lord of our life. It means he's the boss. He's in control. Jesus told a man in the Bible named Nicodemus that you must be born again. There's something awesome that happens when you come to Christ and say, I repent of my sins. I turn from my ways and I turn to the love of God. And if you're in this house this morning and you have never said yes to the Lord Jesus, if you do not know right now, if you died tonight and you do not know if you would enter heaven or hell based on the gift of Jesus Christ, you can say yes to the Lord this morning. Say If you say, Pastor James, I want you to pray with me. I want to give my life to Christ today or I want to come back to the Lord. I've fallen away. I've fallen off the wagon and I want to come back to the Lord this morning. Would you raise up your hand? Be brave. Don't be ashamed. Let us pray for you. Anybody in the house? Yes, we've got a brave young lady. Anybody else say, that's me? Amen. You can put your hands down. I want you to stand all over this room and grab the hand of your neighbor if you can. Everybody grabbing a hand as a point of contact. Let's pray this together and let's pray it out loud. We've got a brave young lady today that says, I want to surrender my life to the Lord. And we're going to make this declaration with her.
Now listen, friends, I'm going to give you words, but you've got to put your heart behind it. All I'm going to do is give you words, but you've got to put faith and release your heart behind it. Let's all pray this together. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for grace. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for an opportunity. Sin and Satan, I turn away from you. Lord Jesus, I turn to you. I confess right now that I believe Jesus died and rose again and that he's taking my sin now. And I surrender to the Lord. I surrender to his call. I'm getting back on the wagon in Jesus' name. Come on, can we give God praise this morning? Come on, let's shout for joy and thank the Lord. Now, I want to ask that special young lady to connect with someone, either one of our staff or someone you know. We, we need to talk to you a little bit more about this walk with God and help you in this because we don't want to just leave you. So find someone before you leave, please. Let us give you some next steps and some things that can help you. All right, one more time as we pray together. Let's close our eyes just one more time. We're going to go. I know it's a little bit late. But you say, Pastor James, I want to be hot for the Lord I want to make a commitment with my family. Renew. I want to renew that commitment. You guys are so committed. You say, I want to renew my commitment to the Lord, and I want to renew my commitment to finding my gift and flowing in it. And I want to be white, hot, passionate for the Lord. And you're making that commitment today as a family. Would you slip up your hand? All over the room. Yes, that's our commitment. That's our commitment. Joseph, I want you to come and pray over us and then dismiss us. Miss Taryn, I love you so much. We're so thankful that you're a part of what God's doing here. Let's take a minute and, and pray and reach out to the Lord and commit our time together. Father God, thank you for letting us gather together today and just spend time in your presence. And I thank you for coming and just saturating us with your presence, Lord. Father God, as we head out this week, Lord, I just pray that you go before us. Lord, and I pray that you give us divine appointments, Lord, that there are just situations where we know that this is you speaking through us. And Lord, I just pray that you give us opportunity to minister to people. Father God, we just thank you for Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for your obedience on the cross. Father God, we lay it all down before you right now. And I uh, ask you to go before us this week. And thank you for all that you do. And it's in your precious name that we pray. Amen.